Hi there, it's Caroline Foran from Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please do follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. The sooner we all get on board with these measures, the sooner we will be all together again. While you're staying at home, here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to. I think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever, so why not try the Two Johnnies podcast, available on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the latest Everything is Black and White podcast in association with Footy 5, the new free-to-play score edition game from the pools. Simply predict five correct match scores and you could win £25,000. And even if you suffer any MS and get four match scores correct, there's still up to two grand to be won. To play Footy 5 this weekend, visit thepools.com. You must be over 18 and in the UK to play. Welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined here for the moment by Chris Woff and Mark Douglas. And Newcastle United have lost 3-0 to West Ham in what could be described, and I think you did, Chris, as one of the worst defeats you've seen under Rafa Benitez. Yeah, I think it's the joint worst home defeat Newcastle have had under Benitez alongside Watford last season and equally as alarming in some ways as that game was. And I think this is a bit of a reality check for Newcastle the last three, the last month or so has been brilliant for them. They've gathered some momentum, but really t- today they were given taught a bit of a lesson by West Ham. Where I thought just were a bit more streetwise in a lot of areas. Newcastle were exposed defensively, which is not something we see very often. And as soon as Hernandez scored, take away a few Perez opportunities, and I don't really think Newcastle ever looked like really getting back into the game. They huffed and puffed, but. I just think West Ham were better on Outovich and, and Anderson tore them apart. And during the second half, they could and probably should have scored more West Ham and, and Newcastle were slightly lucky to get away with just a three in the end. It was the 11th minute walking in protest of Mike Ashford's 11 years at Newcastle, Mark. You couldn't really write it, could you? Because on 11 minutes, as people started flocking in, Hernandez went and scored the opener. Yeah, I don't think it had... I don't think there was much of a correlation there. I, I, you know, I, I'm loath to sort of passed too much judgment on what happened on, on 11 minutes but it didn't look to me as if the message had really reached enough people to make it to make an impact um we're hearing reports that Newcastle turned off the the feed to the concourse for the for the TVs which seems that suggests that they were anticipating there might be some people doing it it didn't feel to me I, I've always felt that it's a risky strategy to call for these really big um big things like a boycott or a walk-in because then if if, if it's not visible and you can't see a lot of people doing it people are going to say oh well it's not worked it's not worked but you know look these are really honest fans who've made a a massive effort to try and change the football club for the better because I think we all agree that it's not the football club's not going in the direction that it should be under Mike Ashley and you know look I'm sure they'll just keep they'll keep doing things maybe they just need to kind of scale it back a little bit build the protest a little bit and just see where things go because you know when the teams start winning People are less inclined to protest, but I don't think it had too much impact on it. Newcastle were just, um, they were caught cold on 11 minutes. You know, they were actually playing quite well until then. Um, but it, it, this is Newcastle this season. It's going to be really razor thin margins. They could have conceded two or three against Watford and it would have been a similar situation and they might not have gone on to win that game. They could have scored today as they could have against Brighton and gone on to win. I mean, we said it when they won those games, such small margins for Newcastle United to go on and win and go on and lose. They've lost today, very small margins. It's looked like a bit of a mess in the end. 
it feels like the stadium's coming in on us uh, in this room here. Uh, but you know, it feels like they, you know, they've they've kind of been totally outplayed today, and and they have a little bit. But you know, just keep your feet on the ground a little bit. They might lose to Everton on Saturday, and then we'll be going and on Wednesday. Sorry, and then we're going into next Sunday, saying oh crisis again. You know, it wasn't perfect when they won the three games. It's not horrendous because they've lost today. They've lost to a, a team that's you know has one of the biggest wage bills in the country. Was has been underperforming really this season, to be honest. Um, and they were just caught cold. I think too many players were below par today. You can head to chroniclelive.co.uk to see a video of the 11th minute walking and judge for yourselves. Chris, Iosi Prez was, was subbed off and there were a few ironic cheers. Now, he did miss a few chances, especially in the first half. Should have probably at least have had two, you can argue. But, I mean, necessary? No, I thought it was entirely unnecessary and it's not very often that I would question something the fans have done. But I actually don't see how that's to benefit anyone. I think that Perez, although he could and should have scored, actually thought he was arguably Newcastle's best player in attack. He he was in the positions in the first half to do that. He created a few opportunities in the second half for others. And yes, he struggled in front of goal. We know he isn't a natural goal scorer. He was top scorer last season, but that was only with eight goals and Newcastle had a lack of alternatives. I understand fans are frustrated and understood it, and it wasn't by any means the entire stadium. It was, it was, it was, maybe a few thousand if fans, if that, who who did give the ironic cheer. But Perez is is and will be playing regularly over the next few weeks. I don't really see how ironic cheers are going to help him. I don't think they're going to help Newcastle. But I think that was part of the general frustration which came out during the game itself. Almost, most certainly, um, Newcastle had quite a few shots at goal. I think. It, 16 shots at goal, but only four on target. Mm. West Ham were a lot more clinical in their efforts, um, but that again goes probably on the amount of money that they've spent on players, and they've got a forward three. Um, I think Chris tweeted that more than 60 million in total collective price tags. Mm. You know, you, you have to, if you want quality, you have to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, it's the, what we've said since the start of the season, and, and you know, going back to the kind of thing about the protest, we've said all along that Newcastle need to be. If they're not if they're not going to pay the the kind of money, then you know they can expect more days like today. They've had some really good performances in the last few weeks, but West Ham. I think I think what was what was interesting for me. I mean, West Ham. You know, look, they've they've spent a lot of money. They spent a lot of money last year as well. Newcastle beat them twice, so you know it wasn't a given that just because they spent a load of money they were going to beat Newcastle because Newcastle have, I think, done really well over the last few years in in kind of making teams that have spent a lot of money but aren't that well organised and don't have much of a tactical plan. They've done a good job in sort of putting those teams in their place. The difference today was, and I think it's a problem for Newcastle, in that what West Ham did was catch them, they counter-attacked them. And when Newcastle had given the ball and 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 sort of given it and said, go and play, try and play through us, they have they have a problem. They they beat Watford and Bournemouth really with counter-attack uh, football. I mean, Bournemouth, you know, they played a little bit more on the front foot, but and the, Burnley was the, the strange one because they actually they actually did quite attack that game quite a lot, but again were a little bit counter attacking. West Ham came and counter attacked them today and did it with real incision. Um, I thought Anderson, you know, I know we've just been talking in the press box there, press press room there, and a lot of people saying he was wasteful. I thought he was superb today, massive threat, huge threat. Newcastle just don't have anybody like that. They have to be collectively on their game and there were too many today that weren't. Kennedy was poor. Diarmi's been excellent recent weeks but he was poor. He was okay um, but there's too many. Perez, I know Chris is saying he, he was one of their better players but he was poor. 
blonde on anonymous. Um, you know, Shearer three weeks ago, he's anonymous today. That that's Newcastle United for you, isn't it? The highs are very high, the lows feel low, and um, you know we've just got to try and keep it in perspective. Even though it feels pretty grim tonight. One of those days, just been joined here by Lou Ryder, who's been on the touchline there, interviewing some of the players. I mean, Lee, can you sum up today's performance? What you thought about it? Well, I mean, I don't know what the other guys are saying here, but for me, wasteful in the you know in front of goal, and completely punished. Um, on the break, you know, as West Ham, you know, come forward, they had that little bit of quality, uh, and, and Newcastle paid the full price really, and maybe this was a, an example of just how how limited Newcastle really are. It's it's okay winning the last three games, but you've got to have that consistency. But sadly, I don't think Newcastle got the quality to be consistent. So Rafa. Yeah, licking his wounds a bit there. They're back in training tomorrow, um, Sunday session. Probably, you know, get this out of the system. But then they've got to pick themselves up again for a very tough game at Evan. Definitely. We saw briefly um, the midfield of Key, Shelby and Diarmi. What did you make of that? Because uh, some people have been suggesting that that could be the way forward in, a, in, the, in the up and coming games. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit sceptical on too many centre midfielders all at the same time, personally. I think one, one sits back and one bombs on and then you know it's better to have a number 10 and a striker and, and the wingers rather than just packing the midfield. Um, it's almost like a compromise, if you like, having those three together. So it's a case of, I mean, for me, Shelby didn't really do too much today. Um, free kick whipped over the bar. I mean, why is he taking the free kicks? He's, he's not getting anywhere near... At the moment, it just seems to be getting more and more desperate. I think it was the right call to leave him out. It would be the right call to leave him out at Everton because you know this season for me hasn't really, hasn't really done it. He's just seems to almost be sulking from not getting in the England squad last season. So for me, Diarmi and Key would retain the places. I don't think that's the problem area. I think the problem area is in front of goal and uh, Perez. You know, missing those those chance days. Just walked through the mix zone, didn't want to say anything. But I suppose what can you say after that? Do you think Prez might be uh, left out again? We know he's already been left out once this season. He obviously came back and scored uh, the winner when he came back in. What do you think will happen after that performance? Do you think Benitez might again uh, drop him to the bench? It's starting to be almost like for Perez that he's more, he's better as an impact player coming off the bench uh, rather than being in from the start. Uh, seems to have a bit of anxiety around him. Um, those missed chances kind of underlined that. Uh, but they're really limited for choices. Uh, Hoslu, it certainly isn't the answer. They need someone in in January. It's as, as simple as that. They're going to probably splutter towards the halfway mark of 40 points. And then, you know, after that, it'll be a case of what they do in January. And they, re- they really do need to spend a few quid. Uh, Matt Ritchie came off today um, again. Hatsu was on. I mean, two questions there, Chris. I mean, Matt Ritchie, I think it was only about 15 minutes or so. Didn't look overly happy. Um, why do you think he keeps? Is he in it because he's not been effective enough? What do you think the thinking was today behind Buffer's decision to bring on Atsu? Well, I know in previous games he's taken off Richie early-ish because Richie gives him the most in terms of runs the furthest in the time that he's on the field, and so he thinks he loses a bit of energy and brings someone on who's a bit fresher. Today I found it surprising because I thought that some of Richie's crossing was better than it has been recently. I thought he'd been quite dangerous. He put in a couple of the balls which, which Perez should have scored from in the first half. So I'm not really sure what the thinking was behind it. Atsu has done well 
did well last year against West Ham, has a decent record against so him, maybe he was hoping that he could do something similar again and, and exploit Zabaleta, but it didn't really happen when he came on. He, he, he buzzed around a little bit, but didn't really make much happen. And by that stage, almost the, the game was starting to slip away from Newcastle. The second question, because that's who's hardly been effective for himself when he's come on, where's uh, Murphy? Because if an ineffective Atsu, in my opinion, is, is getting ahead of him. I mean, Murphy just mustn't be really pulling up uh, well, must be shown what he can do in, in training. No, and, and 18 months into his Newcastle United career now, and it seems to be going nowhere. Uh, Benitez was allowed to spend 10 to 12 million on him. He's one of the most, the joint most expensive uh, player that Benitez has signed, if you include all, all the add ons, and, and it just hasn't really worked out for him. Inexperienced, and Benitez just keeps saying he has a lot to learn. Well, 18 months into his Newcastle career, it doesn't seem he's learning quickly enough, and that is, again, part of the issue, I think, with. The model that's in place in Newcastle, Benitez wants proven players who he can put out there. Atsu's 25, 26. Murphy's a few years younger, and clearly Benitez thinks he's too raw to be playing too frequently in the Premier League. Mark, Josh Lou came on towards the end. Uh, they went up top with one Don and Josh Lou. And there's a moment Josh Lou really should have probably gone for goal. I'm not sure what it was. Was it a shot? Was it a cross? And the groans inside St Jim's Park, very, very loud. Yeah, I think. I feel for Jocelyn in a way because he's, you know, this is his second season at Newcastle. He was only ever a stopgap option. You know, he's just not at the level that, that, that of a Premier League striker. You know, it, to be Newcastle need two or three strikers at, at kind of Rondon's level at the moment. They've got literally they've got him. He is the only option. You know, he was superb a couple of weeks ago against Bournemouth. Today, a little bit more anonymous. They just haven't got the you know the squad is 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 limited. It'll, again, it will be you know a, a fantastic job if Rafa keeps this team in the Premier League. I mean, you look at the Premier League table and that's really congested. Not much to pick between the two teams. And we talk about January, but there's some really important games between now and the end the end of January. If they can pick up, you know, they need to pick up a win in the next two games really to keep themselves kind of just a little bit ahead of that that run. But you know, you go back to Josselu and. I don't want to sound too harsh on the guy because he works really hard. The whole of this Newcastle team work hard. But at the end of it, it comes down to quality. And, you know, Rafa's here at the moment and I think Rafa's will do enough to keep Newcastle in the Premier League. But if he goes, or even if he stays and the team, they don't invest and they don't give him a little bit of leeway in the transfer market, you know, it's it's not going to last forever. It's not, you know, they're not going to be able to keep pulling pulling results out. Um, when you look at teams like West Ham who are strengthening Southampton a bit of beating Manchester United at the moment. Um, a lot of teams down there are starting to invest money and start to put money into it. And you know, in some ways, you could argue that if Newcastle had won today, beat Wolves, beaten Fulham or something, got to the halfway mark at twenty points, we know for a fact that the hierarchy saw the last year's tenth place win and felt well. That proves that this isn't this team's not as bad as the critics said and not as bad as the pundits were saying about it. They were fooled a little bit by that that tenth place. It might not be the worst thing in the world if they are worried a little bit going into January. If as long as the team aren't a million, as long as the team aren't in the bottom three, but they're you know maybe only two points. You know, I hope they do get a shock into to actually invest and realise that look they are under a bit of trouble. You can't rely on Rafa to keep pulling results out and and keep tactically getting the better of teams because at the end of the day, the, the table always generally reflects the investment. That teams have that teams have had, and Newcastle United will find that over the course of the next five to ten years, that 
they, they will go down again in five years. If they don't start to think about bringing in more quality, they will go down again in five years and they shouldn't. They, they shouldn't be a yo-yo team, but you know, they're bigger issues, aren't they, than today, but it does feel a little bit like a bit of a, a wake-up call, which might not be the worst thing in the world for Mike Ashley because we do know that sometimes they do get a bit carried away themselves by the winds and sort of say, well, you know, this proves that our wage bill is this, that and the other. No, it, they, need, they need to bring players in in January. They need to bring players in in the summer. And Lee, talking about January, could you see Almiron fitting into that team today, a man of his quality? Well, you'd like to think so, and you'd like to think that hopefully he would take maybe a couple of them chances because, you know, take one of them chances, it's a completely different game and suddenly it lifts the whole crowd. Uh, sadly, it's it just there was an air of inevitability about what happened. When you when you look around the stadium, you could just see the fans were like, yeah, here we go again kind of thing. We did touch on it in earlier podcasts that it's the most dangerous thing in the world getting lured in by Newcastle United in terms of, you know, just when you think it's going to be another nice home win, uh, you get a, a bit of a nasty shock and sadly that's that's what they got. But uh, to be fair, I thought the crowd stuck with the team for mm. the majority. There were a the few ironic cheers when Perez went off, but if you miss chances like that, then you're going to have to expect that you're going to get some kind of negative reaction. And uh, yeah, it could have been worse for him, to be fair. Could be, there's worse... Uh, Crowd things the crowd can direct your way uh, than than a few ironic cheers, but I think we've just got to now try and forget about this one. Dust themselves down. Everton very tough uh, away game. They've spent a, a few quid as well. Goodison not really a happy hunting ground, so it's going to be tough. And you know, it already you know even on Saturday evening now. If you're offered a point at Goodison, you would be very, very happy with that. So, yeah, it's back to the drawing board in some ways, but, uh, you know, just move on from this one. Chris, just to sum it up then, not a crisis, just a, a very bad day at the office? Yeah, it was a very bad day at the office. I wouldn't say it's a crisis yet. The the one concern that I do have about this Newcastle team, it was the same last year, is that they tend to get on a roll, be that a positive or a negative one. They had, obviously, the 10-game winless run at the start of the season. They went on a nine-game winless run last season. They then go on these little spurts where they win games and lift themselves out of it. It's a habit I think they need to snap out of. It's going to be difficult going to Goodison Park, but Wolves on Sunday, Wolves are a team who aren't in any sort of form. It's a game Newcastle need to be targeting and hopefully give get a bit of positive momentum back again into what is a, a, a crucial period for Newcastle. They play almost a quarter of the season between now uh, and, and January the 2nd, so that they want to make sure that, that they have that positive momentum rather than the negative momentum they sometimes get. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us. If you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, you keep up to date with all the latest cast news, including all the, the reaction from the guys uh, from tonight's defeat and uh, throughout uh, next week up to the Everton game. Thank you very much. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. 
Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.